0: Welcome to the City Church Podcast. We hope that you will be abundantly blessed by this message. If you would like to find out more about the city, please log on to our website, www.thecity.sg. Well, it's, it's an honor and always a privilege to share. And it's always pressurizing to share at the city because, you know, it's your home turf, you know. Sometimes when you go when we go outside, um, we get to show all our hands, right? Like everything that we, we can say and we can do all our jokes that they don't know. But over here, everybody grew up with you, so and like they journeyed with you. So a lot of things you cannot say because you'll fall back flat. <laughs> yeah, but I, I'm so glad that I'm in a trusted company where I can learn and preach at the same time. Yes, it's a, so thank you for trusting me, and I I take your trust very seriously. And it's a great privilege. So anyway, today, um, I, have, I have a word that I wanted to share uh, previously, but uh, I, I just felt to share something about the sound. But this, has, this is on my heart, and I want to share something about unity today. Well, we know, we know that the, the, the world is all about individualization, right? Yeah. Sorry, I'm not trying to get into like a place where I cannot see the light. <laughs> <Whoa>. <laughs> you saved Christmas. <laughs> I think I put it here. Yeah, and so the, the the world is all about custom made things, right? Like from your froyos to your burgers. Even McDonald's has jumped in on the custom made thing. It's so expensive, Angus beef is like ridiculous. Sixteen dollars burger from McDonald's if you put all the works in okay and then you have you have like custom jewelry you have everything is custom right and and we we always we find ourselves um one thing like handmade stuff or one one in a one in a million kind of thing my brother is a uh, he's in advertising uh, my younger brother so he's in advertising and he's in fashion and so he, all his clothes right are not bought off the racks he goes online to some weird websites and then he finds vintage clothing. So he wears a Levi's, he has a pair of Levi's jeans that is at least 70 years old. Wow. And he refuses to let us touch it because you know, and so he washes it by hand himself. That that point my mom is quite happy about. Because a lot of the vintage clothes, right, has to be hand washed. And so, you know, everybody likes, like, custom-made, individual things, and you know, things to show off your uniqueness, right? Because they want to express themselves. Even singing competition, I'm now quite obsessed with The Voice, new season. So amazing! Yeah, and it's just like, oh, it's like, come on, if you haven't watched it, catch up, okay? Like, The Voice is so amazing this season. And then there's Miley Cyrus, surprisingly, she's quite a good judge, okay? And she's quite a good uh, mentor, a good coach, Miley Cyrus. Quite cool, quite cool. You know, but even in singing competitions, right? Right now, to win a singing competition, you don't win by singing well. You win, you win by singing differently. You either have to have a different voice, a different kind of style or tone that is not easily heard over the radio, right? And so even, even as Christians, right, okay, we, know that, we know that diversity is good. We know that being different and we, are, we absolutely believe in the individual's uniqueness. And we all know that we are fearfully and wonderfully made, right? And that we are all wired creatively different, and we and we know that. And, and in fact, this is my this is like not my life verse, but this is one of my favorite verses, which I I think Andre shared before, and I just want to share it with you. It's by Martha Graham, and she says there is a vitality. Do you have it here so I can read it off? Dun, 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 dun. There is a vitality a life force, a quickening that is translated through you into action and there's only one of you in all time. This expression is unique and if you block it, it will never exist through any other medium and be lost. The world will not have it. In First Corinthians chapter 12, we see Paul talking about the different uh, gifts, okay? And let me just read to you this. In First Corinthians chapter 12, verse 4 to 14. Is it too small? Can you see? It's a long one, but let's read it together. There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another, discerning of spirits, to another, different kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same spirit works in all these things, distributing to distributing to each one individually as he wills. Verse 12, for as the body is one and has many members, but all the members that all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. Tongue twister there. For by one spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and have all been made to drink into one spirit. For in fact, the body is not one member, but many. Over here we see, we see in this passage that it says that there are diversities of spirits, but the same spirit. Uh, diversity of gifts, but the same spirit. There are differences in ministries, but the same Lord. And it calls us as individual members of one body. And so, even though today, right, diversity and individualization and being unique and special is trending, is the best thing now. It's something that we all are wired towards. This, the, the Bible here is calling us into unity. That in that in uni, that in diversity there is unity. That as in as much as we are, we are of the. We, in as much as we are unique and we are diverse, we are called to come together as one body to be unified that we are of the same spirit, the same Lord, and there's unity in diversity. A a professor says this of the concept of unity in diversity. It says that unity diversity is a concept of unity without uniformity and diversity without fragmentation. Let's take that for a while. Unity in diversity is essentially a concept of unity without uniformity, diversity without fragmentation. You see, unity is not uniformity, which is Overall sameness, nor conformity, which is acting in accord to social standards, being being molded into social standards. Unity is not conformity, it's a celebration of diversity. It is an interdependence within the body of Christ for a common purpose. Do you get me? Yes, that diversity and and unity is not uniformity. It's not asking everybody to be the same or to be molded to be the same, but it's a celebration of diversity, it's an interdependence of each other within the body of Christ for a common purpose because, you know, conformity competes. Conformity forces us to compete with each other, right? It's like that you're having the same piece of the puzzle but many pieces of that. Many pieces of the same piece of puzzle. We, you won't go very far completing the puzzle, Yes, you won't go very far because it's the same piece. Everybody's the same. And imagine if all of us are made and white the same, or all of us are expected to conform to a certain mold. We have to fight for one spot. Right? In Christianity, there's only one pastor spot. And all of us have to fight for it because we are, we are all called to be pastors. Or there's only one architecture spot. Every one of us have to draw very, very hard and see who's the best at drawing and designing so that we can be that one architect. Or we can be the best Conformity causes us to compete with one another. It causes us to have a narrow perspective of solutions and successes that is only this way. It's only one way. It's my way or the highway. Conformity causes us to compete. Yes? Talk to me. Talk to me. Okay, I... Sh- no, 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 no. Kristen, don't go there. Whereas diversity complements diversity helps us to celebrate others as we want others to celebrate us diversity says that we have a part to play that we have a place to fill, right but diversity tells us that there are different things that different people can fill in different pieces of the puzzle diversity opens our eyes to a wider view and vision you see the purpose for diversity is not just to be different the purpose for diversity to bring about unity. The purpose for diversity is that we may have unity. Pieces of the puzzle coming together, fitted together, and like First Peter says, like living stones being built together into a spiritual house. That the purpose of diversity is not to divide. The purpose of diversity in each and every one of our lives, you know, and in the body of Christ, is not that we might be. It's not that we might be divided, or we might do things as and, and what we want and will. But that it will bring about a unity, that it will, that we will we can come together and be fitted together for unity. So what does it mean over here that it says to be of one spirit, right? You know, in 1 in Corinthians chapter 12, it keeps saying same spirit, same spirit, same Lord. What does it mean to be of one spirit? What is the unity of the spirit? Let's just go through to Ephesians chapter two. I'll be reading quite a bit of um, the Bible. Is that okay with you? We are a church. Yeah, so so I thought that it would be appropriate. Uh, Ephesians chapter 2, you know, just in case. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 13 to 18 says, But now in Christ Jesus, you who once... Far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ, for He Himself is our peace, who has made both one, the Jews and the Greek, and has broken down the middle wall of separation, having abolished in His flesh the enmity that is the law of commandments contained in ordinances. And then you go all the way down to verse 16, and that He might reconcile them. Are we there? The other one, that He might reconcile them. Uh, I'm lost. Then both to God in one body through the cross, thereby putting to death the enmity. And he came and preached peace to you who were far or far off and to those who were near. For through him, we both have access by one spirit to the Father. You see, in an act of atonement and reconciliation on the cross, Christ made us one. The Jews and the Greeks, we are the the outsiders, sort of. right? We are made one. We are now made one in the spirit. And what Christ has accomplished at Calvary must, the unity that he has purchased with his blood on Calvary must now be lifted up, and brought into full expression in the church. Right? He died to make us one, yeah. and so that, that making of one, that unity, has to be made in flesh. It has to be in. Uh, it has to be made real in the life of the church. That's what he came to die for. That he will bring. That he brought us who were afar off, and he made him as, and made us into one with him. And so in Ephesians, just further down in two chapters, Ephesians chapter four. Paul says, I therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you. And in, in some translations, it says, I beg you. I beg you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Why did I choose all these verses? It's like tongue twister. But over here in this text, Paul gave instructions for us to endeavor to maintain. Okay, He gave us instructions that we might try to maintain this unity, this oneness with the Spirit. And so today, for the rest of the time, I want to touch on three things that we can do to try to endeavor, to maintain, to keep this uh, unity of the Spirit. And in verse 1, it tells us that Paul says, I urge you, to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. The first thing that we can do is to realize our purpose. The word realize here doesn't just mean to grasp or to understand. The word realize here means to obtain, to give reality to. So what I'm asking you today is not just to, oh, I know my purpose in life, but to give reality to purpose, to obtain your purpose, okay? you know, I So what are we called to? The Bible... Paul says here to walk in the manner worthy of your calling. You need to know what is the calling, right? So what is the calling we are called to? I believe it's two-pronged. Okay, this is my own version. I believe it's two, it's a two-pronged calling. One, the first calling is our calling as Christians, as followers of Christ. There are standards that we need to hold to as Christians that will that will that that will that we will, that we have to hold on to to make us blameless and without reproach. Yes? You know, I uh, when we were in the youth ministry, I have this boy. Um, so we 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 were divided up into different zones. Uh, each zone has about <laughs> anywhere from like five to ten life uh, cell groups. And so in my cell group, we, and in the cell groups, we all like aim different schools, different secondary schools. And so in my in my life group, uh, there, we were targeting like Telok Kurao Secondary School. Those in the east side, the Kurau. So I have this boy. Uh, Andre knows him. Axel knows him, but they are not here. So <laughs> never mind. So, so we have this boy, and he he just got saved through like a, a big event. Uh, what Pastor always say, the one big day event. Uh, it's a big evangelism e- uh, evangelistic event. And so he got saved, and then uh, he came to church and all. But you know, uh, he was I think 15 years old, 15 or 16 years old around there, and you know, in secondary school in in a. Uh, uh, he he picked up like a lot of bad habits, you know, and, and all. So one so one day, um, one of his friends who was also in my in my life group, he came and told me, hey, um, should I say his name? Okay like, I can say his name. Uh, uh, Christine, I tell you, Wena is evangelizing to people, you know. Then I was like, oh, that's great! Like, wow. So he he them his testimony, is it? Then he's like, yeah. But then I tell you right, he was smoking, eh? Then I was like, oh dear. Then he said, yeah. So basically, he acted out the scene. He was he said Wena was sitting like that at the at the void deck. Then he was talking to his friend. You know, uh, Jesus is real one. <laughs> <laughs> serious, like, serious. I tell you, I last time don't like to go to church, but when I go to church, right, he somehow got that feeling, you know. <laughs> he, says, he took another path. And so this friend, he was acting out. Like he said, he said, I don't know whether the guy stumbled. or not. I said, the guy is a non-Christian. He, was, like, he said, but so what did the guy say? Then, so he, so the, the friend, of Wayne's friend said, Oh the guy asked him uh when I thought Christian cannot smoke one Christian can smoke one man then he didn't win answered, I I now wilderness time lah, that's why. <laughs> <laughs> I now in wilderness spirit. So uh, but, but you know, Jesus is still real. And so he invited his friend to church. So it was very funny, you know, and but do you hear that often when I was younger and cause I was in a like I'm not like in some step school, you know, like was, but I was in a like neighborhood school and so a lot of people like, you know, smoke and then they sometimes will Play poker cards during the class and whatever and every time somebody like who we know are christians and they want to do something like drink beer or like they want to play poker cards or they or they swear and the first thing people say hey christian can like that man? yes or no how many of you have been have heard that or how many of you have said that uh, before you became a christian christian can like that right? a christian can go go pub and drink beer and right? wow, so so liberal huh? like a christian can can play taiti, right? <laughs> Just, like, during, during Chinese New Year, Christian, Christian can do that? Are you sure Christian can do that? You see, the, the thing, we have such a, a standard, like, we, we, we represent somebody that's higher. That even non-Christians hold us accountable to a higher moral standard. Right? You know, so this is our calling as Christians. I believe, I believe that, that we, need to, we need to be aware that we are first and foremost called Christians, called followers of Christ, you know, and we need to have, we need to live a life worthy of that calling. That people, when people look at you, they will say, "Oh, this is a Christian." There's no doubt. There's no like second guessing. There's no, he Christian like that, You know, we have to live blameless and without reproach. Philippians two, in the second part, it says, um, after Paul asks us to work out our salvation with fear and trembling, he says, "Do all things without complaining and disputing, that you may become blameless and harmless, children of God without fault in the in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation." among whom you shine as lights. That's the first part of the calling, I believe, our calling as Christians that we must be worthy of. The second part of the calling is our personal call. You know, you see headlines um, recently in the recent years of teachers having affair or sexual uh, immorality with students. You see government officials um, in bribery cases, no pastors, moral failure. And the level of backlash for these people is always greater. It's greater because of their occupation and their calling. Because their calling and their office demands a higher level of integrity and demands a greater moral responsibility. The greatness of their calling should have constrained them to live a life worthy of their office. Right? And so, why, why do we feel upset when a government official takes take bribes? Because they're government officials. You know, they represent us, the, the voice of the people. When pastors have moral failure, we feel it, it gets to us because Pastors are supposed to be like the model of follow, follow them as, as, as they follow Christ, right? Teachers, teachers are educators. They are trusted people that we give our next generation to. And, and, and there is a higher demand that we have on them in integrity, in, in moral responsibility because of the office that they are called to. And so it goes the same with us. Whatever that God calls us, God will place a demand on us. I remember somebody, I don't know whether it's was Pastor Daniel, but one youth pastor says, uh, "Preach about um, uh, consecration and being set apart, and he say, sometimes God will tell you, others can, but you cannot. It's not a one law, everybody like, oh, no going to the movies, no more watching this, or no more uh, drinking this, no more uh, indulging in this hobby. It's not a one statement sweeps all thing. But God will speak to you specifically, in accordance to your own call. And you might be the, you might have like similar, like I'm a worship leader, someday as a worship leader, but God will place a demand on something on me that I have to respond to in order that I might prove myself worthy of my calling. Not, not in a proving, striving way, but to show him that hey, I'm serious about my call that i want to consecrate myself i want i want to set myself apart and so when i was in when i when i just graduated from secondary school when i was like 17 18 years old god spoke to me very strongly about not listening to the radio and so i struggled for a while cause music is everything <laughs> music is everything to me you know and like just listening to me it's like it's a harmless thing. I'm not going. To, I'm not like listening to death metal or anything, right? I'm just listening to pop songs on radio. But God spoke to me specific, uh, specifically that if I want to have a greater anointing in leading worship, that I should not listen to the radio. And so I chose not to listen to the radio, in pursuit of the greater anointing. Yes, and God placed that demand on me. And so sometimes when you ask, I will ask questions like lot of people can listen and they are still very annoyed, right? You know, but this phrase, others can, you cannot, and what what others can do and you can't do might be something else, might be totally something else. God might ask you to give up a hobby, God might ask you to give up a certain indulgence or a certain food item that you are you that you love or just certain things that God wants. It can be trivial, but it it can be trivial, but it is the obedience of the heart, the, the posture of our hearts that God is looking after, is looking for. And so we need to recognize our call and live our lives accordingly. But first, we need to find out what we are are called to walk in, right? We need to find out our purpose. So just now in 1 Corinthians 12, we read about different people receiving different gifts. And the word gifts here in Greek is the word charisma. And charis in the word charisma means grace. So technically, God has given us grace gifts, graced us with gifts. You have the next slide. So, you know, so charisma, right? Charisma is grace. Okay? So, gifts, grace, gifts. So, when someone operates in their gifts, sometimes you, sometimes you find that they exude charisma. Yes? So, you know, long ago, if you don't know my story, I don't really like Rudy when I first met him. Like, really. I don't, I don't, um, like, um, friend zone, uh, totally friend zone. <laughs> and then he invited me to this event that the youth have or something, and then he was playing. I forgot what event. Daryl Wong was uh, one of our friends held an event in Cornerstone Church, and I just happened to go because I had the night free, and so I went and I saw him play the drums. Then it was then that I was thought, not bad, <laughs> not bad at all. Why, <laughs> why not bad at all? You see, when 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 somebody walks in the gifts that God has given them, right, and if the gifts is charisma. When somebody walks in their gifts, you know, sometimes we think, oh, this person's personality is very charismatic. No, the person is charismatic because they are walking in the grace of God, the gifts that God is good, which is why, you know, sometimes when we ask, no, why do you have the crush on that guy, you know, when you were younger? Oh, I like it when he is walking very serious because the person is walking in his grace, right? And so when Rudy plays around, I'm like, hmm, Ken, okay, like, my friend's won't blur already. <laughs> yeah, and so... And so same same for me, okay? Like uh in the not in a, once upon a yester year, Christine was athletic and at 10. <laughs> and so, you know, in primary school, I was <laughs> once <laughs> once in a yester year. Yeah. So when I was in primary school, I was in volleyball and I was in track. I was a sprinter. I was the last runner, okay? Fourth runner. So <laughs> Once upon a time uh, And so, you know And and, and, um, and you realise that Every time there's a track After a track meet Or after a volleyball match, right And then guys come out to give numbers like And last time we have no handphone So it's home numbers It's like super awkward Like, oh, okay, oh my friend Oh my friend like you like, Can you got number? And, <laughs> then, oh, and it's always after I'm, I'm exuding charisma in my grace <laughs> Yeah, you know and then after that, in primary school, like upper primary, I, I was chosen to be prefect, right? Then same, okay. Uh, so prefects, like all of us have different... And then it so happened that my the class... Are, um, So all, all my friends in our same level, the few classes, we are quite close. But all of us prefects, we were we were um, given like I think a primary three class. So all their primary three classes were on the second floor. Mine was the only one on the third floor. So I felt lonely, like oh, all my friends are down there because we were always to stall time to go back to class, right? We will wait for one another for the tea, because we wait until the teachers come in and then the prefects can leave the class. So we always wait for one another, then we gather at the stairwell before we go up to our own classes. So we like buy at least 15 minutes of time, yeah, to go back to our own class. And so I was on the third floor, I was like, yeah, you know, so horrible. Everybody will be gathering on second floor and then nobody's here. But I tell you, when I exude my leadership charisma, right, I have at least four guys coming up and waiting for me all the time. (laughs) So, charisma, okay? So walking in the grace and the gifts that God has called you to get okay? instant charisma. Yes? Instant charisma. So every time Andre stands there and preach, right? Amy is like, huh. Oh, <laughs> but walking in other people's shoes is very, a very uncomfortable thing. If you walk in shoes that are too big for you, first of all it's heavy. And it takes a lot of effort to lift it up, right? And when you walk, you, you the shoes always come off, you will always lose it. Yeah. And so when you walk in a calling that is that is not you, that is too big for you, I'm not saying that you cannot do great things, but you know, sometimes it's just not you. When you walk in a calling that's too big for you, you always find it a heavy burden to carry. You always have to drag that shoe along. And you can't go very far. It takes a lot of effort. And you always lose it. You always lose sight. Okay, so what am I supposed to do now? On the contrary, if you wear shoes that are too small for you and it's stuffy and it's constraining and, and you get bruised and blistered and, and hurt easily and you find like you cannot walk as well. You can't go very far as well. Right? Walking in other people's shoes is a very uncomfortable thing. We need to discover our own pair of shoes. Yeah. And walk worthy of it. Albert Einstein wrote, and it's a famous quote, everybody is a genius. So genius, genius, genius. Genius, genius. I affirm you, genius. Everybody's a genius, but if you judge a fish by its ability to climb a tree, it will live its whole life thinking it's stupid. Right? And so th- uh, let me just encourage, especially the younger people who are, uh, who are now... Um, Getting into the groove of life, you know, and you are exploring your call, don't look at what you think is great. Create your own greatness. Walk in your own shoes, you know? Just when we think that Converse is these sneakers, Adidas got to come out. And then oh. and just nice when Adidas is like at the peak of their designs, right? Nike, oh my goodness. And then now with the lights, that one have you? Lights. Just when just when we think that something is great, yeah, like Nike has like light shoes for adults, those that you walk and then the lights light up, kind of like LA gear. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> you know what LA gear is, yeah. So find your own shoes, wear your own pair of shoes, okay? Now custom make your own shoes. When we walk in our own unique call, we won't see each other as competition. Right? Because diversity complements. We, we see each other as a complement to what God is doing in the world. Secondly, the second thing that we can do to, to, to endeavor to maintain this unity is to remember our posture. In Ephesians chapter 4, just now we see in verse 2, the first part says, after it, after it says to walk worthy of the calling you were called to, it says to walk with humility and gentleness. Some translations say lowliness and meekness. You know, when you're called, when you know who you're called to be, there's no envy for something that you lack in. And there's no arrogance, arrogance in, in something that you're good at as well. Because you remember, you. there's a realization that the source of the, your power, the source of your anointing is from God. And so when you serve, when you interact, it, you are serving from a position and a posture of humility and of gentleness, of meekness, you come from a posture of servanthood. And we are able to celebrate somebody else's gifts fully because we know it's all from God. When you understand that, that, you, when, that you come before God with all this, like I said, there's no envy. If you know who you're called to be, if you, if you are able to realize your purpose, there's no envy for something that you are lacking in because you know fully well that that is not you. Your best day is like nothing for God. You on your best day can do nothing for God. Right? But he has graced somebody else with something that you might want to be interested in. And so, in the same way, when you're good at something, there's no arrogance because you don't, this is not a competition. Yeah, yeah. This is about complimenting. Yeah. Philippians 2, verse 3 tells us that to do nothing without selfish ambition or conce- and conceit, but in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. This is the message version, and I love the message because the message is like, speak real language, you know? It's like real English. So, so in, in, in the normal, like other Bible versions, it's just one line. Do nothing out selfish community, but in humility, count others more significant. But message Bible, give it to you. If you've gotten anything at all out of following Christ, if his love has made any difference in your life, if being in a community of the Spirit means anything to you, if you have a heart, if you care, then do me a favor. Agree with each other, love each other, be deep-spirited friends. Don't push your way to the front. Don't sweet-top your way to the top. Put yourself aside and help others get ahead. Don't be obsessed with getting your own advantage. Forget yourselves long enough to lend a helping hand. Like, hello? <laughs> like, reality check, man. Right? So I love the message. you should go and read the message version. It's like, in your face. <laughs> There's a Chinese proverb that says Chinese. I'm tackling Chinese now. There's a Chinese proverb that says wow. I feel so affirmed yeah. So it technically means Okay, roughly It means to deflate your own where is, it, where, is it, where is it? To deflate your own significance To deflate your own significance In order to esteem others so it says that in order to esteem others, then you deflate yourself or do in, you deflate your own significance to esteem others. But I'm not telling you to do that. Exactly. <laughs> I'm telling you not to... <laughs> you know, and, and we, you know, sometimes we have this, uh, especially, okay, we, I, feel, I feel that we are very reluctant. I don't, know what it's a, I don't think it's an Asian thing. I think it's just a mindset thing. We are very reluctant to give praise to somebody... <coughs> when they do something well especially if their calling is similar to ours so like worship leader to worship leader like you you won't really find somebody else going to worship you let amazing today it was so good the presence of God you are so anointed very hard to see. like seriously I seldom see this in the circle. La, why because of this of this it, it is it is as though by praising somebody else you would you would you would um You will take away your talent so by saying that somebody is very good it is is as though you're implying that you're not as good or you are afraid that a person will think that they are better than you so you don't praise the person and so we don't give praise enough because we think that by, by saying that somebody else is good we are just implying directly that we are not good enough but that's not the truth diversity compliments diversity compliments it's okay to give praise It's okay to give praise to somebody. When we clothe ourselves with the confidence and the knowledge that we are both nothing without Christ, and we can do all things through Christ, we can esteem others higher than ourselves. Can I repeat that? When we we clothe ourselves with the confidence and the knowledge that we are both nothing without Christ, and we can do all things through Christ, there's no problem in complimenting others. Just give praise liberally. Yes? Yes? Give praise liberally <laughs> lastly how can we maintain this spirit of unity what's the r p recognize our need for people in the second part of verse 2 of chap- of um, ephesians chapter 4 it says with patience bearing with one another in love in the nlt version it says be patient with each other Making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. You know, many times we read this, right, and we picture ourselves as the protagonists. We are the ones having to bear the faults and the idiosyncrasies of everybody. Like, everybody has a plank in their eye. I just have a speck. Why can't they see it? Right? we, then we, always, we always put ourselves in the first person and we're like, we have to bear everybody else's fault. I have to be patient because people just are people, right? But reality check, okay? Everybody has to bear yours also. Hmm. Right. this And so we established that people have different graces, different gifts. And when we choose to have connection with people, we gain access into their gifts and their grace. right? Everybody has different graces upon their lives, different gifts in their lives, different things that God is doing in their journey in their lives. And when we choose to have connection with people, we gain access. When I marry Rudy, I gain access to not only to his bank account. <laughs> but I also gain access to his character. I gain access to the way he views the world. I gain access to the way God creates him to think and to express his love for God. And when I have kids, I gain access into the wonderment and the innocence and the childlike faith and the, the, just the gloriousness. Of the Father Heart of God. I gain access when I choose when we choose to have connection with people, when we recognize the need for people in our lives. And so it's the same in this church. You know, when you come in here, even if you are a first-timer, when you come in here, immediately by choosing to step into this place and joining us on a Sunday, you immediately gain access to our worship, to the atmosphere that is in this place, that the prayers that have been sown in this place. The spirit of faith that is in this place for the supernatural, you gain access into the word of God. Hopefully, you're learning something, <laughs> and you gain access to our community life immediately. But as you grow deeper in relationship with one another, you you gain access into the individual people's life. You know what I'm saying? I might not have seen um, like the the. I love children. All the all this while, I love children. But my love for children and my love for the orphans and the unwanted increased when I gained access to Joy's perspective of that problem. Joy, if in case you don't know Pastor Daniel's wife, she's a champion of fostering and you know just for for children. For children. And I gained that access and, and through that connection with her through the through the access, God deposited in me an even deeper love for children, and deeper and a need for justice for His justice to be served in this world, not served, like, His justice to be seen in this world for the love of God to come and just to mend the brokenhearted. And so, when we choose to have to have relationship with one another, when we choose to allow people in our lives and gain not just gain access to take advantage of people, but you allow yourselves to be vulnerable and transparent, and you open up yourselves to be somebody that people can can access to, there is an exchange of faith. There is an exchange of of the diversities that God has given us. And that's where unity happens. That diverse things that you have been going through in your life, that God has graced you with, when we exchange a relationship like that, it comes together and there is a oneness that happens in the Spirit, a oneness that happens with us and with God. We must realize that the minute we choose to be a part of the kingdom, if you say that you are a Christian and you believe in Jesus, our lives are no longer our own. We become members of one body. We are not separate entities. We live as one body. We are individual members coming together, fitted together as one body. We must live our lives aware that it has an impact on people. I know after becoming a parent... There is a determination, a godly determination in me to overcome my weaknesses, to to see breakthroughs in my life, even for the littlest things. Because you know why? What I break through for is easy access for my children. It's a given. Whatever that I'm fighting for now is a given, right? All our forefathers, they have fought through certain things, the racial riots, the building of this nation. And what we, we this younger generations, we gain access to the freedom of speech, the harmonious living among the races, we, uh, of the, the freedom to, to worship uh, different religion, uh, religions and to practice r- different religions. We gain access to the battles and to the, the things that our forefathers fight for. And so I realized for myself that the things that I'm fighting for now, the things that I gain access to and gain breakthrough for, is a given for my kids. Which means if I fight for freedom now, To my kids, right, they will never live in bondage. They will never know what bondage tastes like because freedom is their inheritance. And so we have to realize that your life is not your own. Leaders, when you break through in something in the spirit, you're bringing others with you. Worship leaders, same thing. When you break through into a spiritual atmosphere, when you go deep into the river and to to just allow the river of God to sweep you in, you are sweeping everybody into that same experience, whether they know it or not. Our lives are not our own. We are called to be a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. And a city is made up of communities. It's not a lone house. You know in Pongol, Pongolians, (laughs) I feel you, I'm a Senkanga. I feel you, yes. Northeastern arise. (laughs) In Pongol, I was, I was a pioneer, you see It's like that, in the, in the, in the spirit In the natural, I was a pioneer in, the, in, in Pongo, in Senkang So when, I, when, I, when my parents, we shifted From Ang Mokyo to, Pong, uh, to Senkang It was like wasteland <laughs> So there was construction All around, so my estate was the only estate, estate that was building, Pongo Had nothing, I don't know what they were doing with Pongo It was just wasteland and pig farms And seafood right at the end of the corner And very stinky beach very, very stinky. Now they clean up a bit, so it's good. Uh, but in Pongo, right, uh, it's quite near to where Pongo uh, MRT station is now. But in, in previously, when, when we moved there, there's this single wooden hut in Pongo that is seated on like a. It's not like a hill, hill. Singapore has no like hill, hill. <laughs> but it's seated on this like this little lump of, of land. And you know, and the thing, and the very funny thing, if the government just tear it down to build houses, that there, there wouldn't be this kind of like urban stories, right? But the government didn't. So the government started building like houses around it, but they left that wooden hut there. And so rumors were that it was like haunted lah, that the government didn't even dare to touch it because you know, you know, the government is quite superstitious, right? So the government didn't dare to touch it. And so there's this lone wooden hut in the middle of like all the new BTO houses and nobody there to walk past it. You know, being a lone house on a hill is just sad and scary. So don't be a lone house on a hill, yeah? Be in a community, in a city that is on a hill that cannot be hidden. That is the whole point of my POMGO story. Yes? Don't be sad and scary. Yes, don't be sad and scary. Serious. We need the members. We need the members of the body to come together. We need our Pauls. Those who are mentoring us, uh, the fathers and the mothers We need uh, the Barnabas, our peers, our friends who encourage us We need the Timothys, people that we are pouring our lives into People that we we want to invest and reproduce in We need all these people to come in through You know there are many things that you can definitely break through on your own Definitely, if you pursue God, you will definitely break through certain things But there are many other things that can only come to you through corporate breakthroughs Through corporate anointing By being joined to the body There are many beautiful things that can only take place, that can happen in your life, that can come to your life only through the unity of the Spirit. Can I have the band? (laughs) You don't really have to sing any specific song. Just sing about Jesus. (laughs) If people don't worship to Jesus, they won't worship to anything. (laughs) Sing the Pongo song. (laughs) So don't be sad and scary. (laughs) Let's recap, okay? When you realize your purpose and who God has made you to be, you wouldn't want to be anyone else because there's no competition with anyone. When you remember to stay in the posture of humility and gentleness, you can esteem others higher than yourselves because you know that you you are nothing without Christ, but yet at the same time you can do all things through Him. There is only through Him. And when you recognize your need for people, you won't want to be a lone house. You will want to be plugged into a city. You see, we need the different graces and gifts coming together in order to unlock things of the kingdom. A very wise African proverb says, If you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. John 17, and Jesus says this, Jesus prays this in John 17, he says that they may all be one, as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. And the glory which you gave me, I have given them, that they may be one, as just as we are one, I in them, and you in me, that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. The unity that we have in our community is the main way that people will believe the gospel the quality of life of our lives together is a testimony to the world it's a witness to the world the quality of our life together is a witness to the world you know for too long the church has been divided over petty things like denominations things people even within like a church context people leaving church because of offenses or somebody else or uh, not happy with how the worship leader sounded I'm sorry you see all of us desires to be known and to be understood all of us is a innate uh, human desire to be known and to be understood and of course that that ultimate spot and 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 whole um, only god can feel but how would it look like if we are a community here that seeks connection and we choose to esteem one another higher than ourselves what will it look like when we realize what we are created for and who we are created to be and we have people championing us we have people saying come on let's do it and we do the same for other people you know many times we put on facades and we put on walls and we build walls around ourselves because we are afraid that when people know our true selves uh, we would be misunderstood and maybe we will be disliked by others. But can you imagine an environment where you are celebrated and you are honored for who you are, like the quirkiness that you are, the the weird way you think, you know, like how you how you do certain stuff, and people people are not are not uh, prejudiced against that. In that kind of environment, anyone would want to be the best versions of themselves. If you are in an environment of celebration. You know, I do this with my kids We always say that they are amazing Amazing It's like, good job You managed to high-five me? Good job <laughs> You know, why? Because we want to create an environment of celebration that They can, they will want to be the best that they can be in. Not because they, they want to prove themselves to us But because they can be the best versions of themselves Everybody wants to be the best versions of themselves Nobody growing up thinks Oh, I want to be a drug lord I want to work in the sex trade. No, everybody has aspirations. Everybody has has a high regard for themselves and everybody wants to present the best versions of themselves in a community. And so today, are you willing to, net, to not let um, your different expressions, how we worship might be different, the terminologies, the methods in which we do things, are we, are we, are we willing to allow all these things to be put aside To put aside our prejudice And our biasness And our preferences And choose to pursue unity in the spirit What does that look like? That looks like if I don't agree with you i go and have a chat with you That looks like Even though I don't really like The way she worships Or the way she's like, dancing in front of me Thank you Jesus that she's worshipping you With all of her heart, soul and body And mind and strength that we don't let petty things get in the way of unity. We don't let like preferences, we don't let generational differences. Um, I happen to be like the middle one. I'm not too old, I'm not too young. But you know, don't let generational, oh, in my days we used to be like that. Why now the generation? Don't let this kind of things, don't let this kind of thing tear down the unity. Let's pursue love. Let's give love the benefit of the doubt. Yes? What would it be like If we are all like that Towards one another That we we don't look at preferences we, we, We set aside our differences And we pursue unity together We pursue love and connection With one another